0: hey phil
1: hey senda
0: you want to talk about collaborative world building
1: i do but only if we can talk about it together
0: so that we could be collaborative see yeah i see what you did there
1: <laughs> music. And welcome to Pandas Talking Games. I am one of your very collaborative hosts, Phil. And I
0: am your other very collaborative host, Senda. And tonight's topic comes from Lord Neptune on Twitter, who asks, Have you ever covered collaborative world building as part of character creation, giving players ultimate agency over the world they are going to play in and the type of story they will tell?
1: Well, hoo ya? Um...
0: I feel like we should mention one more thing here because Lord Neptune is, of course, one half of the character creation cast. Indeed. So if you haven't listened to that and you're into character creation, there's a reason he's asking us a question related to character creation.
1: Indeed, indeed. And I wouldn't actually say it's part of character creation as much as I would say it's part of session zero.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's relating it to character creation. To work which all character is creation, mushy like session zero goodness.
1: Nice SEO there. Nice <laughs> SEO there.
0: Uh. <laughs> well done, well done, Ryan.
1: <laughs> okay, we are uh, we are actually both big fans of collaborative world building, so I thought this would be like a really fun topic uh, to do tonight.
0: So to get started, how do we define collaborative world building? Definition panda.
1: Yep. Let's start it down. Let's start it out by breaking down.
0: Let's try that all over
1: again. Let's start by breaking it down with world building, right? World building is an activity where details about the setting of the game are determined. Uh, And they can be really large things like the details of a country or of a war, um, or they can be really small things like some interesting elements about an inn or a town. Regardless of the scale, the details add information to the canon of the world. And we wind up knowing more about the world than we did before.
0: Right. So historically, this job was the game master's job. They were responsible for creating the details of the world and conveying that to the players in the form of descriptions. And that might have been like if they were just describing something that was pre-written or if they were making their own homebrew setting, then they could do a significant amount of work and actually create all the stuff from scratch, right? So the idea of the GM being the person responsible for the world And and the creation of the world has carried through into a lot of traditional games. It's still pretty common today. If you play a traditionally laid out game, the GM is probably responsible for the world and the setting and all of that kind of stuff because that's sort of the non-PC
1: stuff. Yeah. So a number a number of games began to change this model and started making world building a collaborative effort by including players into the creation process. Uh, and so like my earliest encounter with this that I can remember being codified in a game and I could be wrong, but my first one, when the first one that jumped to mind when I thought about this was the Dresden Files RPG where after you create your characters, uh, you create the city by creating interesting locations and NPCs tied to them, right? That is absolutely world building, and it's totally collaborative because the whole group takes part in it. Now, since then, more and more games have started to use collaborative world building, and on top of it, the idea of collaborative world building has kind of spilled out. So even games that don't have collaborative world building built into them, People are using those techniques to kind of include them in your game. So if you're like, well, I play D&D and we totally did collaborative world building. Cool. It's not actually coded in the game, but it's totally cool to do.
0: Yeah, we're super excited that you are. Absolutely. Like, and also, I just played like eight hours of game today. And basically, it was like so much collaborative world building for like eight hours. And it's great. And right. It but you were
1: playing fun. a story game. You were playing an unpublished story game, right?
0: I, I was. But I also played dialect, right? And that also has a bunch of shared world building, partially through the discovery of language.
1: Absolutely, and that is, right? a, and that's another story game. So we definitely see, right? So we definitely see collaborative world building as a—it's um, definitely a part of story games, a large yes. part of story games. Yeah. Again, not always required, but you see it frequently there. But again, we can you, we can definitely do it in traditional games as well.
0: Right. Implement it anywhere you want. So here are some of the reasons that we like it and think that it's good. Yeah. for your games.
1: Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, creativity, right? Yeah. So when it comes to creative things, collaboration always makes things more interesting. Collaborative creativity always pushes you out of your own comfort zones. So, you know, if I leave you to make your own town, you're going to, you know, kind of gravitate towards the things that you normally would think of, the places and spaces where you're comfortable. But if I add three or four people in and have them throwing elements at you as well, now we're kind of now we're pushing you out of your comfort zone. And that that additive effect of more minds, more cooks to the pot kind of thing actually makes it makes it more creative.
0: Yeah, agree. It's also love lettering, right? So by having players contribute parts of the world, they're able to kind of tell you as the GM the things that are interesting to them that they would like to encounter or the kinds of problems they would like to deal with in the game because they're setting them up for you they're they're like doing the work for you and all you have to do is kind of take some notes.
1: <laughs> which gets us to our third point, which is less work for the GM. Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, so if you have, if your group is participating in collaborative world building, then unlike in the past when you would be kind of expected to kind of whip up the entire world from scratch yourself, now you're contributing a part of it, but you're just collecting the information from everyone else uh, and putting that to use. So it definitely reduces the workload on the GM and honestly, anything that reduces the workload on the GM is always a good thing.
0: Super good, yeah. And the last one, which I actually, it might be my favorite part of this, is that in, it increases the emotional investment of everybody at the table in the game. So by creating things they're interested in, the players always have a, an emotional connection to the world and the stuff that they made, but it also decreases the, poss- the the probability of ending up in a game where, like, you as the GM have spent hours and hours carving out this amazing setting and world that you want to play with, and then you're trying to fill up your players' minds with all of this information about the setting if they're giving you information about the setting too, now they are just as invested in this setting as you are. And uh, it's great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing that we see as those elements that they created get incorporated is that we see that loop it's the loop that we always say when somebody suggests something, when you incorporate and give it back to them, right? It creates this loop. Like I put an idea out to the world, and then it comes back to me in the form of play, right? That is very satisfying, right? Because
0: Extremely, be-
1: yeah. Yeah. So it it creates that it creates that feedback loop, which is part of what creates that emotional investment because now it's like oh i had this cool idea for this world element oh and it, like and we played it and it was so awesome like boom there's that loop right yeah um and yeah. and as we know the more emotionally invested players and gms cuz gms are also a special type of player the more emotionally invested players are In a campaign world and campaign, the better chance that the game will survive the turbulence of scheduling issues and an off session here and there and stuff like that, right? Like when we're not emotionally invested, like we will punch out of a game over almost any. Almost any disruption, right? Like, oh, somebody can't make it. Cool. We don't have to play tonight. We're done.
0: Yeah. We're done. (laughs) Like,
1: oh, we didn't play two times in a row. Cool. Maybe we should play a different uh, game.
0: Let's choose something else. Yeah. Right.
1: But if, but if we have a high degree of emotional investment, right? This, this thing can ride the rapids, right? Like, your players, you and your players will find a way to get back to this game. Yeah. All right. It's cool. That's, um, That's emotional investment. So I think it's pretty obvious that we are big fans of collaborative uh, world building. So for the rest of the episode, we're going to give some advice about collaborative world building in two different ways.
0: Yes, I am going to talk about using it when you are in your session zero.
1: Yeah, and then I'm going to talk about it when you use it in the middle of running your game. Yeah. So do you want to take us all the way to the beginning when we are first sitting down at the table to hatch out what game we're going to play? What do we do in Session Zero?
0: Yeah, I mean, although actually we'll say we're actually going to talk about both of these pretty collaboratively. <gasps> what as an idea. As we do. As we do. Anyway, but so yes, back to Session Zero. In Session Zero collaborative world building is kind of doing two things right it's creating the setting and it's seeding situations Mm -hmm. right so it's 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 doing it's both adventure seeds and it's the space in which the adventure takes place so keeping in mind that there are sort of two distinct categories of types of stuff it does here are some of our tips
1: so first tip is create a tone or theme. And I say create, I mean, as a group, create a tone or theme and stick to it, right? So yeah. being collaborative is awesome. Um, you know, and we try to, you know, we always say when we're being collaborative, right? We want to yes and, and try to be as inclusive and pos- as possible to other people's ideas. But we are trying to build a world and we're trying to build a certain t- um, type of game that we want to play. And so we do want to adhere to a tone and theme Otherwise, we're going to have, like, some really weird disjointed stuff that won't feel very smooth when it comes up in play. Like, if, you know, we're doing, like, a really low magic, if we're doing a really low magic Euro-based fantasy, and then somebody's like, cool, ninjas!
0: Yeah, ninjas, woohoo!
1: Right? Because they just love ninjas. Like, it, it you know, I mean, ninjas just... Aren't, you know, what we think of when we think of Euro fantasy, but now we, like, now we, like, we're, you know, it's now it's not quite, and, you know, it's not quite fitting because we were like, no, no, we were going to play like gritty rat catchers, right? We're going to go like Warhammer-esque, not, you know, whatever. So again, it's worth before opening up your collaborative world building to kind of have a talk and say, cool, what are our what are our general themes? What are we trying to stick to as we add our elements, right? We want to, oh, we want to be gritty. We want to be really street level and gritty. Cool. Okay, good. Let's, you know, write that down on an index card or something. So people have it as a frame of reference and then stick to it.
0: So, and, and I want to add one more thing to that, which is that I do think so yes, and is great. And it's a very good tool for improvising and doing collaboration together. No, but is also a super good tool. We are not actually improvising at the table the same way that an improviser would on on the stage, right? So it is perfectly reasonable to say, Know that that actually falls kind of outside of our themes and our tone, as far as I understand it. But could we do something like this that accomplishes the thing that, you know, that person wants out of the game without? Breaking the theme and the tone, right? So I love it. Don't be scared to say no, but in situations, right?
1: Oh, I think that's so good. I think that's so good. And I'm going to, I just want to, I want to say it again (laughs) um, because I want to highlight something that you said that was really good. Yeah. um, Which is that yes and is a thing that improv people do on stage because Mm -hmm. they don't want to derail. The de- they don't want to derail the flow of a scene, right? So it's yes and yeah. yes and yes end, right because it keeps everything moving. Yes. But you're absolutely right. When we are in a session zero and we are being collaborative, no but is okay. Yes. Like it's we can stop valid. and re yeah. and and reangle something. So oh yeah, in our in our in our gritty Euro fantasy, if I had been like ninjas,
0: yeah, it could be like well no but. What if we had a specific sect of rogues that are specifically known for being like sneaky and do hand-to-hand combat, but like in this flavor that now fits in with our like sewer crawl, right? Exactly.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Right. Um. Totally agree. Right. So that's acknowledging that. Look, what you really, what you're telling me you want is stealthy, melee assassins. Um, yeah but you're saying, but again because we're trying to stick to tone and theme how do we how do we make that in our sewer punk um, Yeah. we just built a genre by the way um, <laughs> in our sewer punk, sewer uh, punk fantasy, fantasy? Yeah. yeah cool
0: yeah how, how do we make that without actually breaking the theme and tone that we have now discussed right oh, anyway so, no mm, but it comes so up a lot good. it happens a lot like yeah, I, it happens at my gaming tables a lot like it's a mm, that seems like a little bit but what if we Right?
1: I'm just going to, for that point, I'm just going to give the chef a kiss, right? Mwah, that is so good.
0: <laughs> anyway, okay. good. So our next tip is to put in things that you want to interact I- with in the game. So don't add something to the game that you don't want to interact with. Like, just don't do it. Or if somebody else adds something to the game that you're like, I really don't want that to happen that's what the X card is for. Or even just a discussion about like, "Ah, I'm really not into that. Is it cool if we leave that out? So connected to this for me is also a conversation that goes with your tone and theme, which is lines and veils, right? And if somebody says something, again, outside of the lines or veils, you may still be able to say, no, that's kind of outside of our lines, but is this okay? And present another option or another angle on it that maybe would work in the game but doesn't break your lines and veils that everybody would be comfortable with, right?
1: Cool. And I want to break out a piece that you said because it was super important. Again, because you are on fire with good (laughs) advice tonight. I've Um, been
0: like warming up for eight hours for this podcast today.
1: (laughs) So the other thing is, and we didn't have this as a specific tip, but I'm going to add it as a brand new tip, which is use an X-Card. An X-Card is a great content editing tool yeah. Right. So if you look at it, how the X card is used and for the queen, yep. right, it can take out not only um, what we would consider problematic material, but it yep. can just take out material that doesn't fit where yeah, we're going.
0: Yeah, we don't want this in the story. It right. not so make sense.
1: Right. You should absolutely have a uh, tool on the table that empowers everyone in the group to be able to kind of veto something if it doesn't fit. I and mean, when obviously we're going with the, you know, you want to try to include as much as possible, but there are times. We are going to want to be able to be like, nope, not that.
0: Yeah, I mean, and to be entirely honest, it happens at my table all the time. We are a super collaborative group, but just like every now and then, somebody's like, oh, and then what if this? And we're all like, yeah, uh, well, that doesn't actually kind of fit with this. And we're like, oh, okay, okay, back up. How about like this? Yeah, that right. Yeah. So like, absolutely. Also, don't be don't be down on someone if they come up with something that doesn't fit, and don't feel bad if you come up with something that doesn't fit. Like that's fine. Drop that idea. Go to the next idea and run with it. Like it's all good. It's yeah, a collaboration. Yeah. If, like, if all of a
1: sudden, like our sewer punk game, we're like, and there's cars in the sewer, right? Like we'd be like, uh, mm, mm. no. Nah.
0: Maybe no, it doesn't not. really fit our
1: doesn't fit how our could, tone.
0: How, how could we accomplish what you're going for without? Cars? Sometimes
1: we just can't. Right. Sometimes a no but doesn't work. Sometimes we just got to take. Sometimes that Sometimes
0: you're just gonna be like, yeah, back that one up. That yep. doesn't make any sense. Cool. Yeah. Totally right. cool. Anyway, Very good.
1: Uh, nice. Next next piece of advice is build fewer big pieces. Right. You want like for the big pieces that are going to frame out the campaign, don't build many of them, and don't put a lot of description into them yeah um because when you're first starting a campaign, we're at session zero right now, right? We don't know uh how long this game's gonna last and we also don't know really once it gets started where it's really gonna go. yeah so don't invest a lot of energy in the big the big elements like there are 10 factions of the world all at struggle. cool. that's good enough. Like,
0: yeah, you, you don't need to know actually anything more than there are
1: 10 factions. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe name one or two and yeah, then we, we leave we made the made other eight games. alone. Yeah. Exactly. Once the campaign gets underway, and if that still remains relevant to the campaign, the GM, either through collaborative world building or on their own, can build the rest of that out as the campaign gets underway. But building, like putting the energy into the big sweeping world stuff early in the campaign is never a great idea because you really just don't know what's going to, you may play this game three sessions and be like, meh, we're done. Like it didn't work.
0: You might put like spend hours and hours putting detail into all 10 of the factions and then only play with one of them for two years. Right. Correct.
1: Right. So So, like,
0: you know, I mean, it's, it's basically keep things kind of general when they're overarching things.
1: Exactly. Conversely.
0: Yeah. Leads right into the next tip, which is build more detailed pieces in the specific environment where you want the campaign to start. As a group, right? Um, Because the stuff that you're starting with is the place that you need the detail. The immediate area is where the bulk of the early campaigns are going to take place. So that's the place that you want the details. So if you're in one of those factions and you're doing a job for them or whatever, you probably need to know a bunch about the hierarchy and structure and who you would listen to and who's going to pay you money. And maybe their arch enemy that you're taking the thing from or whatever it is, right? Like Those are the places you need detail now.
1: Right, not all ten of them. Just that. Not
0: all ten of them. Just the ones that are yep. currently involved in, say, I don't know, starting a war. Oh, is that from personal experience? My bad.
1: Right. There's probably a thing we could do as a future show, talking about zooming out, which is uh, kind of the way I look at look at campaigns. Is that when I start building a new campaign, I zoom all the way in. Yeah. And I pay very little attention to what happens outside of the outside of the field of focus. Yeah. Um. But I'm very detailed in that one little space, and then as the game progresses, I basically zoom out. Yeah, that makes sense. And keep adding detail, right? Right.
0: As it gets bigger, so the 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 focus area keeps getting bigger. Exactly. Yep.
1: Yeah. Cool. Last uh, tip of advice here. So we early on talked about that you could either be adding to the setting or potentially seeding situations right plot seeds and things like that the best elements are when you can combine both into one so for instance um the white the white fang cult is in this area and they have a hidden agenda that they are working towards yes right so one we created the white fang cult that's cool right we have Mm -hmm. a cult but we also then gave the gm they have a hidden agenda that they're working towards and the cool part is again if i am tossing this out as to the um to the rest of the table, to the GM, I didn't say what the hidden agenda was.
0: No, and maybe it's fun to figure that out, and maybe it's fun to let the GM figure it out. Yeah, maybe right? you
1: get to you get to Do discover whatever. it. Throw yeah. it out there. Cool. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's that's our session zero. That's our session zero ideas. Want to uh, talk about mid game?
0: Yeah, but you're starting it, so I was just keeping my mouth shut.
1: Well, cool. I was just going to wait for you to say yes, and then...
0: Okay, yes. Yes, let's talk about (laughs) mid-game.
1: All right, so uh, in mid-game now, we are now adding elements to the existing world and the existing ongoing game. And so our tips are a little different, not radically different, but a little different because what we're doing now is like a little more focused.
0: So, a couple of tips. Maintaining continuity the same way that you had to maintain all of the elements working together before as you were creating a world, the new elements that you're adding still have to fit with all of that stuff. And they still have to fit with your safety that you discussed at the beginning of the game. And they still have to fit with the tone and theme of the game, right? So they need to fit with all of the things you were working with in Session Zero. And they also need to make sense logically on top of all of the things you did in Session Zero and have played through since that point.
1: Exactly, right? Like So by continuity... Now, when you name something in the game, it not only has to fit all the stuff that we, like you talked about, tone and and your lines and veils and stuff like that, but it also has to uh, be in the context of everything that every player has done, every NPC has done, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You can't just jam in some element to get around a problem.
0: Right. That would be the cars in the sewer. Right. Right. You've been playing three weeks of sewer rats like sewer punk fantasy. And then suddenly you're like, we just need a fast transportation. So there's a car there now.
1: Be like, what? Uh Like that doesn't make sense. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Next tip is when you're creating elements, um, elements that cause complications are far more interesting than elements by themselves. Yeah. Right. So giving some details about the barrister in town is mildly interesting. But telling us that the barrister in town foreclosed on your parents farm, Uh like that's a way better. Yeah. Right. Like one of those was one of those was mildly interesting. Like here's some descriptions about the barrister. And the other one is way more fun because now we know we have a potential conflict right between you and the barrister.
0: Yeah. And potential conflict is how you get people to role play at the table. Um, Because standing around being like, hi, how are you is like the difficult version that makes us all feel awkward versus storming in and saying, how dare you mess with my parents is way easier. Anyway, so what you want to do as you're adding elements during play is you want to create potential, not plot. Right. So your elements should have the potential to cause problems, but you don't have to go in there and say that this is happening immediately. So if they're going to foreclose on my parents' farm, this is not like necessarily a thing that is happening this instant. Maybe he has the documents in hand, but or like, or he's been
1: threatening to do it or he's something. He's been
0: threatening to do it. I'm going to let the GM take that and work it into the story at the point that makes the most sense. Right.
1: Yeah, cuz you don't want to derail the ongoing story, right? Like no. because because if you just made up a point that the barrister is about to foreclose on your parents' farm, you're probably not going to go to the dungeon to go like searching around for, you know, potential artifacts. Right, when to rescue parent... the prince
0: from the dragon because first you have to rescue your parents. So it has to be like looming, but like not immediate.
1: Right. So when you describe it, you want to describe it so that you give the GM the freedom to take that element, right? So thank you for the element. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the GM to be able to like, cool, when they come out of the dungeon, I'm yep. going to have the barrister like nailing up a piece of paper on like the door of their parents house.
0: Right. I mean, what's what's really interesting is also talking about this kind of elements in gm games where we get to just kind of throw out all these problems onto the table and then, like, see when someone just finds the right moment to tie one of them back in, right? Because yeah. that totally happens, too.
1: Yeah, and so if you're on the player side of this, uh, it's probably worth spending a moment talking about this. When you are the GM and people are collaboratively world-building and tossing things out to you, there is um, a little bit of mental juggling that occurs, right? Because you are, uh, as these things are getting tossed out, uh, the GM has no idea what's coming at them, mm-hmm. and they kind of have to look at them and quickly assess: like, is this going to work? In is this going to work in the game period? Yes, no. Mm-hmm. Is this going to work with what I've got going on this moment? Mm-hmm. Yes, no. And can I fit this somewhere else down the line? Yes, no. And where would that be? And that's all happening. That's all happening. Like in the GM's brain at like speed of thought. And so like when these things happen for me, like I'm writing them down on an index card. Right. And I may jot a note next to it. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. Totally. Like it's going to happen like next downbeat. Like I'm going to put this in or, or, Oh, I'm going to save this for next session. Like I had this thing where Tony, Tony, my rainmaker uh, in our masks game had this girlfriend and they got into this, um, they got into this fight For a while and Tony was like kept pushing her away because he was superhero and the Nova no less right dangerous superhero Mm -hmm. and the character went to one of the other players for advice and misconstrued all the advice and was going to potentially harm themselves is to make Tony rescue them. And like, I wrote it on an index card and it was like, oh, this is an interesting idea. I'm not ready to do anything with it. And I just wrote it down and I left it like, Danny will hurt herself future session, right? And I circled it. Um, And then as it turned out, right? So was that going to work in the course of the game? Yes. Teen drama. Was it going to work in the current story? No, I had other stuff going on. That's not where I wanted to focus the game. Would this work down the line? Uh, Yes. Okay. Save it. So I saved it. And then a session or two later, Danny and their girlfriend had another argument when Danny was like, You are the only thing that keeps me grounded. You are like, I'm, you know, I'm lost without you, blah, blah, blah. And I like immediately took my pencil and just like drew a line <laughs> like, right through <laughs> like, <star. laughs> well, like no longer needed. Yeah. Right. Like, that's
0: not a thing. Yep.
1: Like this, this, this element is no longer valid in the course of the game, right? right? But these are the things. Just in case you're, in case you are not doing improv GMing, these are the things that are happening as you're tossing these out. So it's super fun to do, but just know, like your GM's doing a lot of work. So to go back to our point, when you create one of these problems, don't put a countdown on it. Yeah. Just put it there, put so it the out GM there. can pick it up and figure out where it goes. Sorry, and didn't mean to go goes. the long way around on that. No, but. that
0: is totally okay. You should talk about the last thing, and we should get out of here.
1: Yep, last thing: create your own complications. Don't create other characters' problems. Asterisks.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, there's an, an asterisk, asterisk right? There's yeah, yeah. yeah. we well, we'll get back to that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So making elements that uh, make things complicated is totally fun, and that was one of our previous ex- previous um, tips. Mm-hmm. Um, but do it to yourself because you are your own consent. Yeah. Right. Like if you choose to do this and make your character's situation complicated, that's cool because you are the owner of that character. Yeah, you did. Um, it. When you choose to do it, when you come up with something and put it onto somebody else, it's a consent issue.
0: Yes. So if you are going to do that, then it's valid to say, oh, my gosh, it would be really cool if blah, blah, blah. Would that be OK with you? Especially if it's, um, I, I feel like this comes up mostly when it's like me and another PC are in a relationship, and we're adding in an NPC to make this a really tricky, difficult, like discordant drama love triangle, right? Yep. So like, this affects my character, but it also affects someone else's character. So I, I, like, I, mean, I need their agreement before we throw this element in. I need I, their I consent. Mean,
1: I think that's very valid, but I mean, I often come up with it for other people's stuff all the time. Like, right. I'll be sitting at a table I'll be like, oh, what if that was your uncle? Right. Oh yeah, like, yeah,
0: yeah. And but and I will totally say that like, oh, it would be super cool if that was your uncle. And then but like the thing is it's 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 up to them, right? Yes. It it yes. really is up to them. So I can say, Oh my gosh, it would be super I think it would be super cool if that was your uncle, and they can be like, Oh yeah, that like ratchets up the drama so much more. Or they can say, Nah, I'm not really interested in exploring that. And I was like, Okay, cool.
1: Right. And that assumes that the that the choice for the element is on them, but if the choice for the element to be created is on you. Right. What we're saying is don't stick that on somebody else unless you've checked with them first. Yes. Consent.
0: Consent is a thing. That's what we're getting to. Consent.
1: Otherwise, just put it on yourself. Self-consenting. Yeah. Self-consenting. Cool. Cool. All right. Those are our thoughts about collaborative world building. We are big fans, and we think you should work this into your games pretty much anytime you can. Uh And what I would recommend is listen to this episode and then go and listen to the Misdirected Mark episode on Leading Questions mm-hmm. and the Pandas episode on Leading, on leading questions. questions. Yeah, because leading, leading Questions leading que- are great. Because Leading Questions is one of the best tools for collaborative world building.
0: And then you can go play For the Queen a bunch of times because it's kind of like creative collaborative world training wheels because it both teaches you how to ask questions and how to collaboratively world build.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's if you good. do those things, you will be in really good shape for collaborative world building. Yep. Okay, so cool, we're getting ready to move into the end of the show. But before we do, as we always do, Senda's going to tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network.
0: Indeed. In Down With D&D, Chris and the mad wizard Sean Merwin dish about everything D&D with a focus on the brand and newest edition of the world's most popular tabletop RPG. That would be Fifth Edition, another game in which you can implement your collaborative world-building skills.
1: Indeed, indeed. Say, Senda, where do people reach us on the internet?
0: Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, where we continue to run a contest. The first hundred people will be entered to win either a Bagthulu or a She's a Super Geek dice bag. So come join our forums today. Exciting. Oh, yeah. Or you can drop us an email at Panda at misdirectedmark.com and Phil once they have that information or have joined our forums what can they do with it
1: yeah please 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 send us your topics just like Ryan did uh, this week you send the topics we talk about them that's pretty much the social contract that we have going <laughs> as you listen to this uh yeah, to yeah, this yeah. podcast yep um so please keep up your end of the bargain by giving us topics we'll keep up our end of the bargain by making good shows out of them and don't worry about the topic you know I'm pretty crafty at figuring out how to get something out of uh, out of pretty much any topic. And don't uh, and-
0: worry about if you think we might have done it before. We've been doing this for like a while. We don't even remember what we did before. Just throw it out there.
1: Yeah, we have a rule. If it's two years old, then we'll just do it again. Yep. So anyway, um, yeah, send us your topics. Those are super, super helpful. And if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. You can go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get all sorts of good goodies. They get the bonus outtakes from this show, the Misdirected Mark After Show. They get access to the Slack Room for Life. If they're so inclined, hook up with us on our Minecraft server. Where we're building away night and day. Occasionally encoded designs kicks out some published stuff and people get that stuff. Well, I like that one a lot. Um doesn't happen as much as I'd like to because it takes a while to publish stuff. But yeah, I totally know. like but I totally like giving patrons it stuff.
0: Definitely does so happen. If yeah, I yeah, can do yeah.
1: it, we'll do it. And the other thing we like to do is give shout outs to some of our patrons in each and every episode. And this week, what do we got?
0: We have Craig. The Lord of One Name, indeed. Thank you, Craig. Courtesy Takahashi, thank you so much, Curtis. And Evil Rich, thank you so much, Evil Rich. I'm sure it's a nickname and not actually evil.
1: Say, there's something else you can do on the internet that if you are already supporting the Patreon or unable to support the Patreon, both are totally fine. There's a thing you can do that makes oh so happy. And um, it used to be called iTunes, but it's got some other name now that's less cool. Um, but what's that thing they should do?
0: Well, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Most of them do let you leave reviews, and every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show and learn about cool things like collaborative world building because it's awesome and great. And wouldn't you want to share that with more people so that they play awesome games? Yes is the answer. Anyway... Thank you so much to everyone who has already left a review. If you left it somewhere that wasn't the US Apple uh, podcast store, please tell me about it, like on Twitter or something, because we will never find it, because it doesn't, like, alert us or anything. So (laughs) thank you so much to everybody who's already left reviews. And Phil, show me how you are going to include some collaborative world building in your next game. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. <laughs> <laughs> show me what you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Hey, show, 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 show me what you got. Show me what
1: you got. Hey, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Bloop. Clicky. Click, 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 click.
0: Build this city.
1: Build this <laughs> city on
0: dice and words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with it.
1: Alright. That's fine. Bloop. I love that song. That song, um that song is ancient history for you, but I actually remember when that song came out. Oh jeez. And in fact the thing <laughs> is, so the thing is, so that was um that was Starship, right? So that was Jefferson Starship, which originally was Jefferson Airplane back in the sixties. So sure. what was weird was like that song charted Um in the eighties, right? I'm gonna just quick check, right? We built
0: I'm I'm going to make you feel really old and tell you that the reason that I really truly know that song is because of the last Muppet movie.
1: Sure. Sure. Whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they rebuilt the stage so they could do the Muppet show. So they could earn enough money to... I don't remember the plot. To save something.
1: Bloop. So I was 13... Right? Okay. So that makes you this many.
0: Yes. He (laughs) held up three fingers for everyone. Right. uh, Following along at home. (laughs) Right. So
1: 1985. um, Potentially
0: really two fingers. It depends on what time of year it was. (laughs) Fair.
1: We're not splitting hairs on this thing. So yeah. Yeah, So anyway, that song, um, like, so that song for me was like, cool. There's this cool new rock song by this band Starship. And then my parents like see it and they're like, that's Jefferson Airplane. Right, yeah. like,
0: yeah, wow.
1: They're like they made all these other songs you you know like as well. Like the other one I was gonna mention, which was um, yeah. um, the '90s also spikes the, um, especially in female-fronted bands. Like there's like that's like the first time, um, anything LGBT kind of comes around. Like Melissa Etheridge, like like her album. I mean her whole album. Yes, I am. Um, yeah, like. I totally misunderstood that album when I was when I was a teenager because I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh, so she's singing to a guy. And like now I realize like, no, no like she, <laughs> she was not. Um, right.
0: There's a lot of songs in my mix that I'm like, why didn't I hear this when it came out in the 90s when I had that. huge crush on my friend that i was convinced couldn't possibly be a crush because girls only have crushes on boys that was funny and now i'm listening to all this i'm like wow i was seriously not the only one but like i didn't have any like i didn't have a track for this experience so i just like ignored it and pretended that it wasn't so
1: yeah i mean i think that i mean again very true um very true for me as well, right? Like like I, I go back and listen to these songs and I'm like, oh, oh. like I totally heard, I heard these songs <laughs> in the '90s, but I didn't hear them until now, right like right um, and I mean, then there's some of the more obvious ones, right like i kissed I kissed a girl, right like that was um like that that's a great song, right yeah, like it's just which,
0: which I kissed a girl but uh, I kissed a girl and I liked it, or the other one that i suddenly can't remember the tune to
1: oh i think i it...
0: kissed a girl and i do it again yeah <laughs> yeah one? yeah i like that one too <laughs> that's the one that i'm like why didn't i hear that in the 90s anyway Bloop. we really need to start yeah, the show that yeah, we're yeah, like yeah. eight and a half minutes in
1: yeah so it's not the katie perry one
0: queer shit and music right
1: <laughs> rock on let's t- that's our show tonight
0: yeah. All right, here we go. Queer <laughs> shit <and> music. Bye.
1: <laughs> no, no, we'll do the other thing Bye. I wrote.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bloop. We'll talk about the thing. We can talk about the thing.
1: We can do the thing. Ready?
0: All right, yeah. Meow. Meow. I love the face that goes with your meow. It makes me giggle every time, which is not conducive to starting the show. I know. Here it's we not go.
1: a very relaxed... Uh... It's a you, I I like really have to work at like getting that sound like to sound like a cat. So I think I, like I it winds up it's kind of like when it's kind of like when you're actually thinking too hard and your tongue sticks out. <laughs> right, there's a thing you do like when you're thinking really hard about something. Yes.
0: But like there's a thing that happens with your eyebrows that go together and I don't know.
1: I know like that's, that. a, that's yeah, my thing. Right, that's my think hard. Right, thinking, like I'm thinking think hard. hard but my eyebrows. eyebrows, yeah, come together.
0: You totally just called me out for my tongue sticking out when I think too hard
1: about things. <laughs> it's totally true.
0: <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. Okay, anyway, we should really start the show now.
1: I believe we can start the show now.
0: Ten minutes in. Rock and roll. No, I was.
1: About to oh, damn it! Sorry. Just, just, right no, shh. There we go. Make up for a little of that pre-show stuff.
0: Yeah, ten minutes.
1: Right. I don't know. I I have a lot to. I have a lot for us to say on this.
0: I f- I feel like I have a lot to contribute on this. I just changed the color of the next line because I, think I was, it was supposed to be for yes. me.
1: I was stalling, hoping you would pick up on that. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Pro was like, wow, professional. He's passing it from himself to himself. That makes no sense.
1: Correct. Bloop. Let's talk about mid game. Let's, okay. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Bloop. Not to be confused with Goodrich.
0: Right. Not. Good, not Goodrich. Good
1: rich, Goodrich Good doesn't support this podcast. They support another podcast. It's but evil. Rich supports this. Evil.
0: Podcast. Rich. I feel like we we win.
1: Yeah. Bloop. Yeah. Definitely with some leading questions. I love me some leading questions. Show me what
0: you you got. Show me what you got. I almost started singing the rock song. (laughs) Did you mess up? Show me what you got.
1: Wow, that was like a failure to initiate end I sequence a, do, of, of do, show. Uh,
0: do 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 to show nah, me what you got.
1: <laughs> wow, that is not how that works.
0: <laughs> I really and, did do eight hours of collaborative world building, and also some beer, and also a lot of ice cream, and then finally some pizza. Um, and that's you where need to I take
1: am. a deep. You need to take a deep breath.
0: I know. <laughs>
1: take one right now. Forty-seven minutes. We can say goodbye to everybody. Uh, We got a we've plenty front-loaded the front of the show.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we did.